Hi, friends. It's Diane at the Sailing Legends podcast, where we focus on legacy, lore, and lessons of the sea. In each episode, I get to interview and listen to the amazing stories of sailors from all around the globe. Many of us have raced or cruised or all the above. So today, I have one of my fellow women sailors. Now, for a long time, there weren't that many of us out there in the world, but women sailing is much more popular now. I always love to talk to women who've been sailing a long time because sometimes our experience is a bit different. So the person I have today, her name is Lisa Doyle. She is a member of Davis Island Yacht Club, along with myself here in Tampa, Florida, and we race together, and we've also raced against each other, and I'm sure she has a lot of stories from her life and her sailing from even before I knew her. So I want to welcome to the show with a hearty, hey, how you doing, Lisa? How are you? Great. Oh, there you are. Okay. I, for a minute, I was thinking you weren't there. Okay. So... I would like to start off with tell us a little bit about how you learned how to sail. Did you like it? What what happened? What were those early days like? How old were you? I was about eight to ten in that age, and I was at Girl Scout camp. And I need to add, I'm from Indiana, so you don't associate sailing and Indiana in the same sentence. But I was fortunate enough to go to Girl Scout camp, and one of the activities was sailing out on this huge body of water that was there, and I learned to sail sunfish. And I thought it was the coolest thing because I was only maybe eight, maybe nine years old, but the girls that went back to school with me that didn't go to Girl Scout camp didn't know how to sail. Oh, cool. So you knew something they didn't know. I did. Um, I always had a love for water. Um, we always traveled as a family from the time I was probably two to Myrtle Beach all the time. So the water was always something I always wanted to be near. And so I I learned to sail on a sunfish Girl Scout camp. Oh, that's a really great story. And you certainly would never think of sailing in Indiana. That's hilarious. That's great. So was it scary the first time, or were you excited? Do you remember how you were feeling like the first few times you were out there? Um, I think it was more of an adrenaline. It's like, oh, my gosh, this is the coolest thing. And I know my neighbors, my neighbors are not doing this. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So how long did you sail in Indiana, or did you move? Tell us what happened next. So um, I went to Girl Scout camp every year. And then um, as I got older, you know, power boats became really cool. So, but I did have some friends that lived on the water and I did um, parasailing, not parasailing, but uh, stand-up board sailing. And then I moved to Florida only 18 years ago. But in between the time, I was always down here with my grandparents, but it was always power boating. And we would always go out of John's Pass. I would see the sailboats and think, yeah, I kind of want to do that again. So I finally moved to Florida 18 years ago. And um, I ended up at Davis Island Yacht Club as a bartender. But it didn't stop me from getting out there and getting on a boat. And so within the first six months, I was racing on a boat. 
and was no longer working at that club, and I was work, racing competitively at that point. Oh, that's amazing. So here you are on those power boats when you're younger looking at the sailboats and yeah. out here the Gulf going, oh, I want to be there. I could just so see that. And um, I just recently traveled to Canada and and I didn't know how much sailing they had in this area we were in. Of course, they had a lot, but I didn't know that before I got there. And I started seeing, when I started seeing sailboats on the water after a day of airplane travel, I was like, oh, okay, I'm home. I'm home. It's like there was a safety about the fact that all these people sailed. So I so get that. Yeah. So you're racing at Davis Island Yacht Club. Do you remember your very first race? My very first, well, besides the Thursday night beer can races, was a race to Clearwater. And that's not a, you know, it's almost as difficult to get there by boat as it is a car. Um, so it started, it was nasty, it was cold. And I remember it was a very long way. <laughs> So that was that was the first long distance because it was several hours for us. I mean, I'm talking several, like, you know, 10 or 14 hours for us to get there. Oh, yes. Yeah. So the Davis Island Clearwater race can take the whole day and sometimes into the evening to get there. Into the morning, too. <laughs> and if the wind's out of the north and running it coming out the bay and then going north up the gulf, that can be just a really sloppy, messy sail up the gulf, especially if it's cold. And it was cold. And it was just not the best conditions and that's when everybody thinks oh let's drop out let's drop out but you think if we drop out we still got to go this way <laughs> to finish we still have to get to Clearwater so did you like it did that scare you away from racing big boats no it didn't um I think that probably most of my non-fear um comes from because I I I've been in some really dangerous situations, but I'm better under pressure. Mm. So when it gets a little hairy and it's a little stressful, Lisa rises to the occasion? I do, because I feel like somebody needs to be calm, level-headed, and think things through. And that's what I like to do. Oh, that's perfect. And, and sailing requires physical ability, mental and emotional ability, and that, and the ability to just kind of be tuned in to the weather and the boat and everything like that. What's your favorite thing to do on the boat? Like if you were racing, what's the number one thing if you could have, do anything you wanted in a particular race? What is your favorite? Um, I like to uh, be the main sail trimmer. Ooh, that's a hard one. But you also have complete control of the boat most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, our boat's very tender, and I can, if we get too much power, I know how to depower that boat. So I've always liked that position, because I think it kind of keeps me, it keeps me in control. Um, I can take it to the edge, but I can bring it back. Mm, that's very, that's really cool, because for the, those of you who don't know a whole lot about sailing and everything, the main trimmer really is in charge a lot, and and if you have a boat that's very tender in heavy air, meaning it heals really quickly, which is very slow, and you're racing it, you want to have somebody who understands where that edge is in the boat, where you're still going fast, but not not healed over too fast to get in the way. So when you when you look at your racing career and all the different adventures, because how long have you been racing? I've been racing for 17 years down here. 17 years. So in all these 17 years, is there a particular race or 
event that's happened on on a boat with you, on a sailboat with you, where you learned something about yourself that you weren't expecting to learn? Yeah, you know, we, um, my first kind of, I don't consider it offshore, but long distance was doing all the Key West races. And we were racing, I thought we had a fairly competent crew. And um, we decided to help out a gentleman and go on his boat. He wanted to take his father because he didn't think his father would be doing another race. And we're probably 10 hours in, maybe, I don't know. But we heard this thunk. But to, to, to back that up, I'd been on shift all day, so it's now my time to sleep. So I go down below, and I'm sleeping, but I'm not really sleeping because I'm always that one that wants to know what's going on. And I hear this thump, and then you could hear the sails going everywhere, and then I felt the boat start spinning. I'm like, oh, my God. So I push my head up, and I'm yelling at the mainsail trimmer, trim the main, trim the main. Why is it flogging? Well, the skipper proceeds to say, "Uh, yeah, we have no rudder. So we hit something in the water, and the rudder had came completely off that boat. So we were in about 25 knots of breeze on the nose and about 8 to 10 foot seas. So we we make our call for help, and we were uh, notified that it was a little too dangerous for them to come out and get us. And if we weren't taking on water, wait for the next day. So they wouldn't come out at night. They we Here we were. Um, everybody on the boat was sick except myself. Um, so I had to do a radio check every hour. I decided to home, even though there was really no reason to. So I decided to go back down. We had 150 foot of anchor chain in line that, you know, nobody carries that much. We anchored and we bounced like a buoy in the water and for 10 hours until the next morning when Coast Guard contacted us to see if we still needed assistance. Wow, that must have been a very long night. It was a very long night. We ended up getting towed in back to Marco Island where we rented a car. And it took it took seven hours for us to get towed in. It was we had to we didn't have a drogue, so we made our own um, drogue in the back. We put buoys and anchors to kind of stop the slalom skiing that we were doing as they were towing us. We got back to Key, to Marco Island. We rented a car and decided to go to Key West anyway. Oh, so did you make it to the parties and everything? We did. Actually, we were so far ahead that race that they had already created a trophy for us winning our class. <laughs> wow. Wow. So what did you learn about yourself in that race? That's when I learned that in, in situations that we couldn't control, I was calm. That's when I, I really started taking more of a active role on our boat in, in heavy air or in crisis situations or, you know, when everybody gets sick and you're last, you're the only one left. I, um, one of our, another trip to Key West on our boat, a skipper, I went down to sleep. It was my time off. And I remember him asking me if I had something for a headache. So I dig, I get it, I go up, he's asleep and there is nobody at the helm. And I drove for eight hours until we got to Key West. 
when everybody's waking up at that point, we weren't really like four hours on, four hours off. It's like people slept and they got up when they needed to. And I remember my husband coming up going, you drove all night. And I'm like, yeah. Because you kind of, I just learned after losing a rudder, you just kind of take control. You you deal with what you have. And anxiety is never your friend on the water. <laughs> yeah, that's completely true. I raced a, my one of my last Key West races. I was on somebody's boat and, and went, once we got down by Marco Island and the wind picked up at night, you know, it was just kind of like one person after the other getting sick. And I was the only one not sick on the boat. And I ended up steering the boat all night long because nobody was able to steer. So being that I love night sailing, it was no big problem. But as they all kind of surfaced, at, you know, at breakfast time with the sun up and it was calmer then, they were like, oh, thank God you were sailing. And I'm thinking, yes, it's a good thing <laughs> that I was able we to do that all night. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I look back at the number of times I've raced the Key West and it's always been something that's happened. Like, oh, we found a hole we were taking on water. So, you know, you just, I make sure we have tons of corks from wine bottles, plug holes. Um, I learned that in one of my trips. But you know, then there's this trips where I've returned from the Abacos and we're on the tail end of a hurricane. And I, I learned then that the calm, the I can do this because I'm going to be in charge attitude is what kept everybody else calm. Oh, that's true. So tell us about that story coming back from the Abacos on the tail end of a hurricane. So we were racing and about three races in, they canceled the rest of the regatta because the hurricane was supposed to hit Hopetown. So we were at Hopetown with the sailboat and a powerboat. We stuck it out. The storm turned, but we still had to leave. So we took off. We were just in a 37-foot um, tartan at the time. And I'm telling you, there was no place on the boat that you weren't getting tossed. Um, the weather that we had wasn't right, so we were closer to the tail end of that hurricane than we knew. And we left, and it was like every wave you came down, you really thought you were hitting the bottom of the sea. I mean, it was bam, bam. Um, you couldn't sleep, and you just, we pulled into Marathon and thought, oh, my God, did we really just make it this far? We got fuel, we bought beer, because we had no alcohol on the boat, but we all decided at that point we needed beer. <laughs> and we decided just to come on and back up to Davis Island. And in the way up from Davis Island, we got a squall that hit us that knocked us completely over. Now, all the way back in that hurricane, it was rough, it was blowing, and we were keeling back and forth, but we never got knocked over. We're in the Tampa Bay the squall comes over us out of nowhere and knocks us completely over. <laughs> My gosh, that's hilarious. Just a simple Florida squall line, and that's true. I've been knocked over by them more than once, and, and they can get you. They can, can surprise you. You know, they, they come up, and you never really know just how vicious they are until they're on you. Yeah, we, I mean, the, the seas got so confused. They were coming over the back of the boat. They were coming over the side of the boat, and before, before we could even get a sail down, we were we were over. Wow, that's wild. So what would you say would be a valuable kind of lesson that you've learned regarding teamwork on all these boats? Because you're racing on boats that are all teams. 
and sometimes with varying degrees of competency and sometimes not. It is all different situations. But what kinds of things would you like to share with people that you either notice and or have learned about teamwork? I've kind of learned that your teamwork is gaining the respect of your other sailor. Not in a not in a negative, forceful way like I know everything because I don't know everything. But always, if they're doing something and you ask them that question, listen to what they have to say or listen to what they're telling you needs to be done in any situation because you, you gain respect. And if you have respect of everybody on that boat, you're gonna be a really strong team. I don't know everything because I'm still learning. And if you have everybody else on the boat that feels they're still learning and can learn something from you and you can learn something from someone else, you're gonna be a really strong team. I don't have rock stars that race with me, um, but I got a team of people that always have your back. and they love sailing and this team even grows stronger as they bond together and you continually win you can beat boats with rock stars on it because we work as a team mm, that's great and so how long have you been working on putting this team together most of my crew now we've probably sailed together I since about 2000 and Mm, that's wonderful we've added, we've added a few we've lost a few but um, I have a great I feel like I have a great database of people and there's there's one other thing that I do that I it's funny that a lot of people come to me and ask me when they need crew if I can help them is it's just not about the ability of the person on the boat because you can train because obviously I didn't know everything when I got on a boat but it's it's how you interact with other people. I make sure everybody on my boat can get along with each other. Because if things go wrong, you definitely want everybody getting along. So we've, we've had a lot of people come and go. We still have a core group of people, but I have a database of people that I know will fit in with the personalities I already have on the boat. Yeah, that's that's a very important thing that you're bringing up is is people getting along and the personalities that work together because racing sailboats is dangerous. Yeah. And um, as you've noted quite well, and and there there's more than that. There's lots of danger out there, and we need to have everybody's back and understand each other and kind of at least get along on a level where we can trust each other. Has there ever been a time where that kind of didn't work out, where you had somebody on the boat maybe and, and you thought they would fit in with the crew and it went south on you? And how, how did you handle that? Uh, yeah, I've actually had people get so angry when somebody else was on the boat with trying to tell them, like, well, trim over here, do this, do that. They felt like they already knew everything. And there's several times I've had people just drop the line and walk away from the job. Meaning they were flying this bed, they didn't like getting criticized, so they walked away. Needless to say, the person when we got to the destination did not do the next race with us. Um, because you can't have that. You just can't have somebody that isn't open to listening to everyone. And it, it gets dangerous a lot. So we try to, we try to keep an even keel of people and 
And I have one person now that takes offense to a lot of things. And and I worked with her the other day to say, it is, if it's offensive to you that something I can't fix, but if you're only offended because you didn't speak up and say, yeah, I understand, I already know how to do that, then um, you got to get tougher skin out there. And as a female sailor, you've really got to get tough skin out there, and you have to be assertive enough to say, when they're telling you how to wrap the winch, let them know. You can acknowledge, but let them know, you know, it's not your first rodeo. Right, because when you get on a boat and you don't know all the people, you don't want to overassume their ability, but you don't want to underassume either. But it's up to, to that person to let everyone know what their skill set is. Right, and, and, you know, there's a lot of people that oversell themselves. Um, I think the biggest thing to me is when people say, when did you learn to sail? And I said, I'm still learning. Right. I, I am still learning. If I get on somebody, I mean, I race a lot of offshore long distance races on other people's boats. And I feel it's an honor to be asked to race on other people's boats because they have confidence that you're going to pull your weight on that boat. I didn't get there just because they didn't have anybody. Right. Exactly. So was there a particular situation that you've ever been in on a boat where maybe I'm trying to figure out how to say this exactly, where you were pleasantly surprised by something like, or maybe you were expecting something to go wrong or, or maybe people not to get along or something to happen. And, and you were kind of being very cautious or whatever. And you were pleasantly surprised. Or maybe you thought you were losing, but you ended up winning something like that. I'm always pleasantly surprised when we do win because I usually think that we're not doing as well. But, um, yeah, I raced on a, on a gentleman's boat over a couple times, and he, his crew is – his crew wouldn't be the people I would pick, you know. Um, they, they didn't come with a sailing resume. I thought, oh, gosh, this is going to be the longest trip to Cuba ever in my life. But I was pleasantly surprised that everybody there did exactly as they were instructed to do. They might not have been rock stars, but they followed instruction. And, yeah, we, we had a fantastic race. Never saw it coming. Oh, that's great. Those are the, those are the glorious ones, right? Yeah, those are like, oh, what did we just do? <laughs> yeah, they are. Oh, that's cool. So if you if somebody's listening to this podcast and they're kind of like – either maybe just sailed once or they're thinking about maybe going sailing and they're listening to all these interviews I'm doing with people and they're going, man, I should try that. Or, or maybe that, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't, but they're kind of on the fence about it and they're not really sure what to do. What words of encouragement or wisdom or that you, would you want to share with that person? Put it on their bucket list and complete it. And don't be afraid that you know nothing. Don't be intimidated. Um, I'm going to say that when I first started racing, there was a lot of regular crew on the boat. And I, I felt intimidated. And it took me a little bit to get out of my head and say, I can, I can do this too. You know, I learned to ride a bike. Definitely I can learn to sail. So, um, I've been I've been one that reaches out to a lot of people and get them involved um, because I think it's 
if you're talking to someone and they're telling you about their love for sailing and you think it's something you want to do, you shouldn't be bashful to ask to join them. Oh, that's a great one. And if you're the sailor listening and there's somebody around hinting or that you think would really enjoy it, invite them to go with you. And because it's a beautiful sport and we want to continue the legacy. So that's a great words of wisdom, I think. I know that we have a lot of people that travel through Florida that um, always want to come sail at Davis Island. Just last night, I saw a gentleman say he was going to be here from the UK, and he wanted to do the Labor Day race with us, well, with any boat. And um, nobody responded, so I did. So he's coming. Oh, that's wonderful. See, but that's being an ambassador for the sport is in, is reaching out and making sure that people feel included and cared about and, and part of it. So that's amazing. I think I had a really good ambassador when I came and joined the Yacht Club. Um, he's passed away now, but he, um, it was kind of funny. I wasn't, as a, an employee, allowed to go down the docks and go sailing with anyone. So this um, this gentleman funny name of a boat, some fun now, Mm -hmm. Um, actually took his boat over to another dock and ramp and picked me up and took me out on a day I wasn't working. So I kind of feel like I need to pass that on to other people that don't, don't get that opportunity. You know, I wanted to do it. He extended it and I accepted it. There you go. That's, that's a really good lesson for people is, you know, not to turn it down and to be open to the possibilities and however you can make it happen for yourself, you know? Well, that's perfect. So is there any other sailing story that you're thinking about or something you thought you might want to bring up on this show that maybe I didn't ask you about or that's popping in your head now because we're talking about it that you want to share? Yeah. So inviting people. I, had a a neighbor that I really didn't know she was my neighbor. One day she kind of came into my office and said, I'm your HR rep. And we started talking and she saw a picture of a sailboat. She's like, yeah, uh, my boyfriend sails. And I'm like, oh, we do too. You should come out to Davis Island. And she's like, oh, okay, I'm coming Thursday. When she starts sailing with us at the end of the night, we're talking to her. I found out she lives two doors down from me. So this was at least 12 years ago now, and um, she actually flew to Cuba. She's not a, a, a skilled racer, but she'll do anything, and she has no fear. If you say, run up to the bow and do this, she's going to do it, right? So we, we um, the first year that we raced to Cuba, she wanted to fly down and bring the boat back. So she did a couple races on the boat prior to it. We left Cuba. We couldn't leave because the port was closed. Um, 25-foot seas out there, blowing 30, and you couldn't get out the little jetty from Cuba. But Christy was there, and she came back all the way from Cuba on a boat with no fear, right? And the thing is, is she's like, yeah, but where would I get this experience again? Where would I get this experience? So... It, it does, I guess, I want, you know, my story is I picked the girl up because she came in my office. I didn't know her. She was my neighbor. We're really good friends. And she's the first that you can call on when you're short crew and you just need a body that's got to help somebody grab a line. And she's there. My other friend, we talked to Sale. She lives in Turkey. And 
sails every day. She's like on the the wanted list when boats are going out. Oh, that's wonderful. So take the opportunity, everybody, to get out there and get on the water and and network with people and take up people when the invitation comes your way because it's an experience you will be very, very happy that you did. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on the show with me and share your cool stories. I have goosebumps a few times when you were talking because it's like it's, I so feel it with you. And thank you for representing Davis Island Yacht Club in such a great manner. That's really, really neat because on other episodes, we've talked about the camaraderie and the connection of sailors that we all have each other's backs. So you just accented it in even a more amazing way. So thank you so much. All right. Thank you for having me on. So remember everybody that go for it, have a good time, go out on the water, tell your sailing stories and listen to the great stories of people like you're hearing here on the Sailing Legends podcast. And until the next episode with the next amazing sailor that I go find out there, may you have fair winds and following seas. Be well. <laughs>